Hello and welcome back to Essential Conversations. This podcast series is intended for those individuals who would like to obtain a basic knowledge of substance use and learn helpful ways to identify signs and symptoms of a potential challenge with substances. This will be our final session on the topic of substance use. During this particular episode, we've invited all of our experts back to do a recap of their particular session. Each expert will share profound highlights from their session and then leave the audience with potential resources by answering the question, what's next or where do we go from here? We'll hear from Tracy Bat, Lisa Carter, Jessica Berry, and Sean Holland. I am Cretia Williams, a Special Projects Coordinator for the Center for Trauma-Informed Innovation at Truman Medical Centers in Kansas City, Missouri, and I will be your moderator for today. This project is brought to you by Mid-America Addiction Technology Transfer Centers and is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, also known as SAMHSA. The content on this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of SAMHSA. Jessica, let's start with you. I have truly and thoroughly enjoyed you being with us throughout this podcast series. And um, we've had the opportunity to have you join us for practically each one. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise throughout the series. In case someone is listening for the very first time, can you please give a brief bio of your background and then share any profound highlights from session one that you'd like the audience to hear? Of course. Thanks, Krisha. These podcasts have been a lot of fun and I've, I'm really excited to be here. So thanks for having me again. So about me, I'm currently a licensed professional counselor for the state of Missouri as well as a licensed team leader here for Truman Medical Center's Recovery Health Services Program. I am EMDR certified, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, a technique best known to be used during therapy sessions with a focus on trauma. So I've worked here at RHS for a little over 10 years. I started out as a case manager, worked my way up to a counselor position as I went back to college to get my master's. And now I'm a team leader, helping staff grow and learn ways to be more effective. So that's a little bit about me. Regarding session one, it was a lot of fun. Um, Of course, all these podcasts have been fun. Uh, During session one, Krisha, myself, and Sean explored stigma and the negative impact it has on, well, society, really, but more specifically, people struggling with addictions. Some important highlights for me from that session was Realistically, stigma may never go away completely. Uh, However, people as a whole can help reduce stigma. One of the best ways we can do this is by the way we talk or with our language. So instead of labeling people, for example, addict, alcoholic, we could say someone with a substance use issue or someone with an addiction to drinking, something like that. Other language items to help reduce stigma. In session one, we mentioned the words dirty versus clean, for example. I don't know about you guys, but when I hear dirty, I think about, like I just said, dirty versus clean. Where in reality, when people say dirty in this line of work, they're often talking about a positive urinary drug screen. 
So helping change the language. So don't say dirty, just say that person tested positive. Examples like that. Other words that can be harmful is crackhead or junkie. Uh, those words are demeaning in nature and they're labels. It's language like that that contributes to negative stigma and can be detrimental to the person with the substance use issue. Another thing that stands out to me from session one is not only just educating people in general, it's also sometimes educating the patients or not really educating them, but helping them learn a different way to talk about themselves. Uh, sometimes patients or clients, we will hear them label themselves. And it's either because they don't know any different or oftentimes it's because the people in their own lives have done nothing more than put them down or talk to them that way. And that's all they know. It's important to let professionals know, let, let everybody know that there's a different way that we use our words for sure. Awesome. Thank you, Jessica, for sharing. Again, it was such a pleasure to have you join us and um, we look forward to hearing more from you in the future, Jessica. So thank you so much. I want to move on to uh, Lisa. Lisa, you joined us for session two, where we had a, a very important, essential conversation about different stages of substance use, and we identified when and if someone should reach out for um, the most appropriate intervention. We even pondered the question, does this look like me or does this sound like me? Thank you for sharing your expertise and your wisdom. In case someone is listening for the very first time, can you please give the audience listeners a brief background of your um, expertise and then share any profound highlights from session two? Sure, I can do that. And I would also like to say that I really enjoyed doing this podcast. I'll tell on myself and let you all know that this was the first one that I have done. And it was, it was just a good experience. So thank you for offering that to me. So my career began as a volunteer. My career in human services uh, had me starting out as a crisis advocate for a domestic violence shelter. So I would respond after hours to um, people that would call into the hotline that were in a crisis situation. So that was my first exposure to uh, the work of human services and to persons with substance use disorder. After I finished my master's degree, um, I be became a licensed professional counselor and then over the years obtained my clinical addiction counseling license, started out as an addiction counselor, and then um, moved to directing SUD treatment programs. So I've directed outpatient clinics, residential reintegration, uh, several different levels of substance use disorder treatment facilities. Uh, for a while, I was a uh, director of operations for Kansas's professional association for addiction counselors. And, and that was great getting to network with all of the licensed addiction counselors in the state of Kansas. I also did some training for a while, training counselors in um, how to do a clinical assessment to try to determine whether someone has a substance use disorder. So that kind of leads me into what my takeaway was from that session that we did. You know, we talked a lot about the language that's used, how SUD has been diagnosed historically, talked a little bit about the current DSM-5 um, manual for making diagnosis. 
And, you know, language has changed over time. Like Jessica mentioned, uh, terms that we use to describe people with uh, substance use disorder. What, what hasn't changed over time, though, are the things that substance use disorder impacts and the things that we assess when we're trying to make a determination. So I think my takeaway would be whether or not you are a clinician or it's just an, uh, people from the general public, friends or family listening to this, anytime you're trying to make a determination as to whether someone has a level of um, issue, difficulty, problem, whatever word you want to use with a substance is to be a good investigator. I learned that from my very first mentor, be a good investigator ask questions, get to know the person, find out what's going on with them. Don't make assumptions about that. And then if after talking with someone, you feel as though there might be something that warrants treatment or some kind of an intervention, you know, if you're a professional and hopefully you're going to have some training or you can go to your director about what appropriate interventions are. We talked about in the previous session about if you're concerned or uh, concerned family or friend, that there are resources we gave out that you can seek to get assistance. But I think the most important thing is to get to know somebody, know their story. Why is it that they're using the substance that they are using? And then to share your concerns from that place of love and caring. Just always try to get as most uh, as much information as you can and not to make assumptions about why they're using Thank you, Lisa. I have a quick question for you. You mentioned when you were speaking using the DSM-5 manual. Can you can you tell us what that means, DSM, and how you use it again? Yes. Yeah, so those acronyms, right? We get caught up in in the language of our of our work, and we throw acronyms around, not always remembering that not everybody knows what those are. Di- uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And it's in the fifth edition, so it's just referred to as the DSM-5. And that's basically um, the manual that helps clinicians make a diagnosis on a variety of psychiatric disorders. Thank you so much. I believe in session two, um, you refer to it as the Bible. And that exact, that's basically what it is in the um, mental health, behavioral health world. Um, So thank you, Lisa again, for sharing your um, highlights, your profound highlights, and just thank you for being with us. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to move on to Tracy. Tracy, you joined us for session three, and session three is where we had an essential conversation about misconceptions of, of, of substance use. We had a great conversation, and I must say that I did learn a lot um, about you, and I'm so grateful for what you do and how you help the community. So thank you so much for uh, the work that you do and who you are and how you contributed to um, this podcast series. You have so much knowledge to share. In case someone is listening for the very first time, can you please give a brief bio of your background and share any profound highlights from session three where we talked about misconceptions of substance use? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Krisha. I'm very humbled and honored to be on this podcast again. So I am a health educator um, in Columbia, Boone County, which is in Missouri, um, with their Department of Public Health and Human Services. 
But my grant that I work on is a prevention grant for HIV, STDs, and hepatitis C. And so I do all kinds of prevention education and also testing um, in about 37 counties in Missouri, the north central region of Missouri. Um, and this includes distribution of safer sex and harm reduction, uh, drug harm reduction kits, Narcan education or naloxone um, is the generic name, uh, education and distribution, as well as drug and alcohol prevention education and the testing I mentioned before. And I go into places um, such as you know, substance use treatment centers and methadone clinics, homeless shelters, correctional facilities, both juvenile and and adult facilities and, and many more, where, wherever we can provide both prevention education and um, any testing. And that includes harm reduction strategies as well. So that is what I do. And we talked earlier about some misconceptions. A couple of them were, um, you know, how much overdose, opioid overdose has increased. And it certainly has increased fourfold since from, not, from 1999 to 2014. A lot of that has to do with the introduction of fentanyl, a synthetic opioid into, uh, into the drug supply. We have continued to see increases since 2014. Um, because of COVID, um, especially lack of treatment beds and the supply changing, as I mentioned, about fent more fentanyl in the supply. Another thing I wanted to also mention was that in some areas in the U.S., particularly here in Missouri, um, there is a racial disparity um, about with overdoses. And Black men are twice as likely to die from an, uh, an opioid overdose as white men. And I bring that up because COVID has really pointed out a lot of health disparities and healthcare, lack of healthcare access and other disparities we have seen, um, you know, particularly around race and other, other areas. And we know that systemic racism is a public health emergency. And so I want to continue in my prevention work to be very mindful of that as we go through and we look at these increases to prevent them. Another misconception we talked about was how prevalent they are, and they are as prevalent as other diseases like diabetes. Um, we have 21 million people that's been diagnosed with substance um, use disorder in the United States, and that's about 8% of the population. So this is something where we have to look at it as any other disease and it's as prevalent as other diseases so that we can help prevent it and make sure that people feel no shame in wanting to get treatment for it and making sure that that treatment is accessible to them. And while it may not be uh, accessible at certain times of their journey, um, we want to make sure harm reduction happens. And that's why And that's a lot of what I do. And in fact, the CDC also recommends harm reduction as well. Their website takes you to harmreduction.org, and you can look at that website and see what harm reduction actually looks like, basically moving from one place to the next to the next um, as they live their journey, um, anyone with a substance use disorder um, from anything from using a drug to the next place to the next place to make sure that they continue to do it safer. Because 
a person cannot recover if they are not alive to recover. Tracy, I have a question for you. Um, When we were talking about misconceptions in session three, you talked about harm reduction um, and you really gave a good example of what that means. And I know one of the biggest misconceptions is harm reduction to some means that an individual should just stop using, right? There's, it's just stop, cold turkey. So can you explain to the listening audience, in case someone may be listening for the very, very first time, what harm reduction is when we're talking about substance use and why that is a big misconception? Right. Harm reduction is, while abstinence is one way for someone to no longer use a substance that, um, that they are misusing, but it, it's meeting someone where they are and providing a safer way to to live um, with their substance use, and whether that is providing Narcan or Naloxone to them, providing it to their loved ones so that they can save the person that they love very much and have access to it, whether that is to ask them to please use with another person so that they they can always have help, um, if they need it, if they are overdosing or they or they are going through something that is a great harm to themselves, whether it is cleaning their needles, getting new needles, limiting sharing um, so that they prevent hepatitis C or HIV, it's a continuum. It's a continuum just like COVID. You know, not everybody was able to stay at home all of the time, which is what abstinence would look like if you're looking at harm reduction with COVID. We were we continue to wear masks and distanced and we stay away from large crowds and keep our circle of people smaller. And those are strategies we use to make sure that we uh prevented COVID spread within our within our homes and within our communities. And so we do the same thing with substance use um, disorder. We make sure that there are different strategies that we can help implement to make sure we prevent HIV, to prevent hepatitis C, and to prevent over overdose. All right. Thank you, Tracy. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate your expertise as well. Sean, um, you have had, we have had the pleasure actually of um, having you join us for each session of this podcast series. Thank you for investing your time and expertise to enlighten our listeners as well as myself. Um, In case someone is listening for the very first time, can you please uh, give a brief bio of your background and then share any profound moments for the listeners from any of the previous sessions? Absolutely. Uh, Thanks, Krisha. And I'm really glad that I've been able to be a part of each uh, one of the sessions. Um, so my name is Sean Holland. Uh, I am a licensed professional counselor here at Truman Medical Center, and uh, I work with within Recovery Health Services. Um, I've been with RHS for about 15 years. I'm a licensed team leader here. Um, um, I also work part-time as a, as a counselor at a private practice, and I'm a part-time teacher with University of Central Missouri in their counselor education program in their, in their master's program. So um, like I said, really, really glad to be a part of all these. Um, so based on our previous sessions, um, a couple stand out to me the most. We talked about stigma, uh, you know, which is a really important topic. I think, you know, with within stigma, I just want to touch on that, you know, it's important that we 
utilize appropriate language when we're talking about we're talking about addiction and substance use disorder. You know, that's one of the, the key components to reducing stigma is is you know using trauma you know trauma based language and uh, you know using less judgment. You know, people that are experiencing substance use disorder they need support. They need support versus judgment. So I think that's that's my you know what I want to leave the um, audience with you know with regard to that first session and and also talking about you know does this look like me I think that's you know it's always important to for our listeners to know you know to recognize the, the definitions of substance use disorder and when it becomes a problem in their life and so like we touched on in our session it's important to recognize you know hey you know you know are you continuing to use this substance despite you know despite negative consequence and I think that's 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 really important um, for our listeners to know. Like, you know, I know that's a topic that people you know want to talk about, and they, they you know they wonder, hey, is this is, you know you know am I experiencing this? How do I know what I'm experiencing this? And so that's one of the one of the, one of the telltale signs that I want to mention is you know if it's you know if it's impacting your if it's impacting your daily fun you know your daily ability to function, you know, and if you continue to use or continue to you know experiment with the substance despite you know, despite consequences that you're noticing or experiencing. So, and also I want to touch on some resources that I use. I want to remind your audience to, you know, please, you know, Google um, Drug Policy Alliance, DPA, you know, look them up. There's a multitude of resources within them that they talk about stigma and, you know, things of that nature and provide a variety of definitions. Also SAMHSA, that's a, you know, wealthy source of information to look into regarding substance use disorder. Um, and, you know, to also, um, within Truman Medical Center, our department, Recovery Health Services, is, a, is an excellent resource. Um, we specialize in substance use and mental health treatment. So we're always here to answer questions and to provide that support to not only clients that are experiencing substance use disorder, but also to their families and people that support them and love them. Thank you, Sean. And thank you again, all, all experts for being here. I just have one final question. Um, and you can just, we can just have like a popcorn um, discussion, I guess. You, you can just definitely speak up if you would like. Um, my final question for the experts would be what's next? Where do we go from here? We talked about stigma. We talked about um, an emerging pattern of substance use that could definitely turn into um, an addiction. And we ponder the question, does this look like me? Does this sound like me? We talked about some misconceptions. And then now we're here talking about um, what's next. What advice or what resources would you leave the listening audience? And I want to put a pin here to encourage the listening audience to Definitely, when time allows to go back and view the um, listen to the other sessions, because resources were provided to you throughout all of um, this entire series. But if there was anything that the experts left out and they wanted to share, any nuggets of wisdom um, in pertain, uh, that pertains to what's next, how do we go or how do we grow from here? Please definitely share with myself and the listening audience as well. I can start that off. Um, I think I would encourage listeners to, again, if you have someone that you're concerned about, 
to speak from the heart about that concern, but to also realize that if somebody truly has a substance use disorder, that that is something that in order to recover takes time and effort, resources, patience um, on their part, as well as on the part of the people that might be helping them. And to allow for that space um, so that that can happen. And also if your feedback is not met favorably to not take that personally or as a sign of failure. Um, you know, the first part of somebody making changes is the awareness and the realization and then the willingness to make the necessary behavior changes. And again, that takes time. There are cases when it doesn't happen, uh, but to not take that as a, again, as a sign of failure, you can only do so much sharing your thoughts, sharing your time and your love with that person. The rest is going to be up to them to make those choices and changes. Just educate yourself and try to also get care for yourself if it is also impacting you. That is great. That is so good, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I will also add to what Lisa just said. And um, when I talk about harm reduction, which again, I would recommend harmreduction.org um, for people to, to look at and to really understand harm reduction Harm reduction does not enable anyone um, with a substance use disorder. It just helps them become be safer in the journey of figuring out where they are in recovery. I do want to say, though, it does not minimize what we understand is the harm that is going on. Just because we are giving harm reduction advice doesn't mean we don't understand that there is harm that is happening to someone who is using a substance um, and 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 has has misuse of that, um, and we also recognize that families and loved ones who love them, um, you know, are also part of this whole process. And you know, we want we always you know we want them to feel supported in this as well. Um, but it is we definitely know the research search bears out that it does not enable. It just helps them get from one safer place in the journey to another. This is not 100% connected with substance use disorder, but um, a lot of what I know about stigma and vulnerability and making sure that we look at shame is from Brene Brown. And she has done a lot of studies, um, at social science studies and research. This is very research-based on all of these. And so this is her work about vulnerability and shame is so important for anyone to read about anything, but particularly about substance use disorder so that we can support um, all of our loved ones who may be going through this um, in ways that will help them, you know, uh, through their journey of recovery and not use shaming language, but help them uh, in, in ways where, where everybody is vulnerable and nobody's putting on a suit of armor, um, you know, getting them to uh, the next place in their place of recovery. So, and then just as the health educator and me, I just want to again say anything with a .gov or a .edu is something that you want to look up um, and make sure that uh, it's a, a source that has documents to back it up. Sometimes I use scholar.google.com because you can look at refereed um, article, journal articles and studies that's a little bit different than just your your 
every day kind of, you know, if you do a search on something and you're not sure about who the audience is or who wrote it, typically a scholarly article in a journal is going to be peer reviewed and, and uh, evidence based. So I just wanted to, to say that and never use alone.com as my last plug for anybody who is using uh, is has a fear of perhaps overdosing. They are alone and they want to be supported by volunteers and peers to sit with them while they are using a drug to ensure that someone can call for help. So those are my, those are my plugs. And what was that again, Tracy? You said never alone, never use alone.com. And it is peers that will, that will answer the phone and they will only call for help if they do not hear from you uh, as you're on the phone with them. If they cannot get you to say anything back to them for a period of time, then they, they will call a first responder. Awesome. Thank you so much. And yes, I love Brene Brown. And I know that there are other panelists on the podcast that are very, we're very familiar with her work. So thank you for bringing great. Sean, is there anything else? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Really quickly. I'd like to, um, for anybody, for any family out there, anybody that has uh, individuals that, you know, they believe are experiencing substance use disorder, you know, I, I would encourage you to, you know, again, to offer support to them versus judgment. And it's important to be able to meet them where they are. And what I mean by that is, you know, you know, to talk with them about their substance use and, you know, and not to try to force anything on them. Um, I think that's, you know, a really important piece of information I want to share because the more the more individuals that experience substance use disorder believe they're pushed, uh, oftentimes the less likely they are to, you know, to engage in any kind of any kind of assistance for themselves. You know, and I know it, it can be with family, it can be or family or friends, it can be very uh, difficult when you have someone around you that you're concerned about, things of that nature. And so, again, it's just important to, you know, be able to meet them where they are, provide them education, provide them information, you know, when possible. Um, but, you know, we, but you just can't, you, know, you can't force them into anything. You know, they, they, they have to realize that they, you know, need the assistance for, you know, for their own for their own personal reasons. Um, you know, and sometimes that requires the individual to experience experience natural consequences. Though, you know, that also plays a part. You know, when a person experiences the consequences, they may be more likely to look at it and say, okay, hey, I, I might need to make a change. You know, because sometimes family and friends, they want to, they believe they're helping and, and oftentimes that may end up being, you know, more, more of enabling. And so, you know, if that's something that you're that you're that you're wondering about, um, again, you can always you can always reach out to uh, Recovery Health Services here at Truman Medical Center um, for for questions or concerns that you have about a friend or a family member that that may be experiencing substance use disorder. Okay, thank you, Sean, and thank you, everyone else. We're gonna go ahead and and wrap this uh, final session up, and I just wanted to end by letting the listening audience know that if if one ex- is experiencing a crisis, please call 1-888-279-8188. For suicide prevention support, please call 800-273-8255. For additional information from Mid-America Addiction Technology Transfer Center on how to connect with a provider, 
please go to www.attcnetwork.org. Again, that's www.attcnetwork.org. If you are experiencing a crisis or seeking crisis counseling support as a result of COVID, please visit the website www.moshowmehope.org. Again, that's www.moshowmehope.org. If you are in the Kansas City, Missouri area and would like to inquire more information about treatment opportunities offered at Recovery Health Services, please call 816-404-5850. As we end this series, I'd like to thank our professionals, Lisa Carter, Tracy Bath, Jessica Berry, and Sean Holland for sharing their experience, wisdom, and knowledge throughout this portion of our essential conversations while we addressed substance use. And thanks to listening audience for tuning in. It is our hope as always, that there was helpful knowledge provided that, that can serve as a potential resource for you. In case you've missed the previous sessions, we invite you to listen to them in your free time. Thanks again for tuning in and take care. 